Hello and welcome back to the fourth episode of the Almost Founders podcast, where each week we dive into a practical learning experience within the world of entrepreneurship. You've got your team, you've got your idea. What now? Do I work on the vision? Do I start testing my hypothesis? To help us today, we've got on the podcast Gilad Gat, founder and CTO of TipRanks, the company that lets you track the performance of any stock market analyst so you know who to trust. Winner of two Finovet Awards, today they have 42 employees and more than 10 million users. This is a recording of a live event followed by a 40 minutes Q&A, so if you'd like to ask questions directly to our next guest through Zoom, you are more than welcome to follow us on social media at Almost Founders. Learn today, use tomorrow. Hello everyone and welcome back to a special Entrepreneurs of City event in collaboration with the City Israel Society. Today we will answer one of the most asked questions at the EOC. How do I come up with a plan to turn my idea into a real project? With us we have Gilad Gat, CTO and co-founder of TipRanks and two-time Finnaweight Award winner. Hey Gilad, it's great to have you here. Could you please tell us a bit about yourself? Hi, guys. Uh, thanks. So uh, I'm the CTO and one of the uh, two co-founders of TipRanks. Uh, about myself, I've been, uh, I've been dealing with uh, or working on computers for over uh, 20 years. Started uh, at the Army uh, and then uh, worked at uh, Intel, at Checkpoint, uh, until I founded TipRanks about eight and a half years ago. So about TipRanks, we were founded in, uh, basically we're a big financial data startup that turns noise into uh, insight. We were founded in 2012. We have 42 employees today, headquarters in Israel. Uh, basically we have over 10 million users that use TipRanks directly and through different financial platforms. And we serve the leading global financial uh, institution. Okay, perfect. So to get to the question of how do we go from an idea to a plan? Of course, there is no one-size-fits-all answer as to what the first step is, but maybe we can discover a rule around it. To kick it off, going back to the very beginning of TipRanks, what were the first steps that you took right after you came up with the idea and why? Um, so the first steps that, you know, TipRanks initially is a problem that we tried or addresses a problem that we tried to solve for ourselves. It was a need that we had, uh, which then turned into a solution, which turned into a company. So the first thing that, um, you know, when we came, when, when we came across the, the problem that we were trying to solve or the problem that we were having, uh, the first question was, how do we go about solving it? And uh, once you decide what would be the solution, then the next step is to plan how to get from where you're at to the solution. Uh, so I would say the first step is to figure out how to solve this problem that we came across and build a company around that. Okay. And how did you go ahead to find out what the solution would be for a problem like that? I assume it's a ton of research. Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's lots of research and, you know, trying to understand what are the different approaches that we can take when tackling that particular problem. Now, everything is very theoretical because I haven't described what the problem was or what the solution is, uh, but I'll do that in a, in a bit. So, uh, so yeah, we had to, you know, the first thing is basically to do some research and then look at different directions to solve that particular problem 
and trying to understand which of them is feasible and how do we go about you know, achieving this. Okay, perfect. So to try to put this into an entrepreneurial learning context, there's a moment when you understand that as an entrepreneur, your main goal is not to create a company or get rich quick, but to create value for your customers. So from then on, you need to ask yourself every day, is what I'm doing creating value for someone? Slash, is what I'm doing making it easier for me to create value for someone? So when it comes to research, for example, as you have said, gaining a deeper understanding of your field will allow you to be a more efficient value creator. Now, working on tip ranks, have you ever been not sure if what you're doing today is 100% getting you closer to your goal? And how do you find out? Oh, absolutely. So there were many times that, uh, you know, I felt that, you know, I was trying different things and hoping that they will basically get me closer to where I want to get without being sure it's, it's the right approach. And, uh, you know, one, one very uh, uh, simple example, we have a uh, B2C website. So we have a retail facing website. And one of the things that we do we have users that come to the website and we try to convert them into subscribers. And, and when you do that, there's a lot of trial and error. You try different things. You say, hey, you know what? I have this page that prompts the user to upgrade. Let me change that because this page seems you know, much more uh, intuitive and, and you know, people would understand it better. And then you make that change and then you see that it actually goes, you know, the, the subscription rate actually goes down. So there's a lot of trial and error. You're often not sure of the direction that, that you're going. Uh, and, and, you know, it's something, it, it's a given. You have to learn to, to live with that and basically make the best of it. So in the Lean Startup Theory, I'm sure that this was not just with the subscribers and turning them into full-time customers, but rather with many different options as well. Has something changed from your approach in the beginning to how you do it today to find out if what I'm doing is actually useful for my people? So I think the Lean Startup is, is, uh, is an excellent example. It's one of the books that I felt uh, most affected me uh, when, when building the company. Uh, essentially what the Lean Startup says is that you should create the mean viable product, which is essentially the minimum that you can do in order to put your product out there in front of people and, and get that feedback. So, so yeah, a lot of the discussions that we had internally was when to roll out to market and you know, whether we should still improve and develop internally or whether it's ready to roll out and start getting feedback from the market so that there, there's a lot of uh, 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 dilemmas around that and I think the lean startup is an excellent book to read if you're starting a company yeah so another thing that the lean startup often says and that I have realized that students all always miss is they regard it as a tool set to just be more efficient as in like um, the three steps that you t take when you build, measure, and learn. They think that this is just a tool set, but what the Lean Startup is trying to tell you is that you can only validate if what you're doing is right if you test it out on your customers. So you can't just be somewhere in a laboratory working for two years thinking that you have the ultimate, uh, that you have the ultimate solution to everything and the Lean Startup will help you get there. No, test out everything on your customers. Now to get back to uh, creating a plan. If you have an idea of what kind of value you are creating, it's relatively easy to think right now I am at A, I need to do tasks one, two, and three to get to B and then to C and then D and on and on and on. But in an uncertain startup setting, when I have no idea what will happen tomorrow and one of my assumptions can be shattered by the next test, 
how far is too far when I create a plan? And when do I know that I need to step back and get back to real life? I think there is no single answer to that. It's a lot of times, you know, it's, it's, I think the lean startup, once again, you know, if you get something out to market uh, and you get feedback, you should realize that your plans will change based on that feedback. So you should, on one hand, you know, if you only focus on the next thing that you're going to roll out to, to users, you don't see the, uh, you're not looking far enough into the future. So you have to balance that. You have to have sort of a plan, but then be able to roll out small steps on the plan and be agile enough to understand that a change may be needed if the feedback you're getting is not the feedback that you expected. Yeah. Um, on a more human side of it, I'm sure you had those late night conversations with your co-founder when you were talking about the ultimate dream where tip rank is supposed to be in 10 years. And then the next day you realize that all of these conversations were basically useless because we assumed that we'll be successful in one year and then we'll do this and that and that. How do you stop it on a human level? How can you only go back into yourself and say to yourself, this is a dream for now. This is not really the future. How do I stop and get back to today? So I think, you know, basically you just need to be agile in, in your thinking about, you know, the fact that you're making, you need to understand that when you're making assumptions, then these assumptions can change. And, you know, as long as you don't get too attached to your plans, uh, then you should be able to navigate in, you know, the changing environment. Okay, fair enough. So looking at tip ranks, I'm sure that your first offering did not include all of the possibilities that are available today. Something we often forget is that we strive to create some value and when that value is out there, we have to ma maintain it as well. So how do you balance doing the work that needs to be done every day and still found the time to work on the future? Um, so you're right in essence, basically, you know, the, uh, it changes or the perspective changes once you start having uh, customers and paying customers, especially because while you're still working in your garage or, you know, in the metaphorical garage, which is now a timeshare, like a, a WeWork or something along these lines, uh, you know, you have all the time, basically you're working on, on, on future stuff. And as soon as you have, you know, actual customers, then you need to balance out basically what you're building for the future and how you are, you know, maintaining and retaining your existing customers, your existing relationships, your existing uh, revenues. And I think here's, it's, it's very different for different companies. Uh, our approach was always relatively, you know, we like to, to grow slowly. So we, we would only, we always made sure that we're able to maintain what we have and the extra resources we would invest in future tasks, but we didn't, we, we grew right now tip ranks, you know, we, we were founded eight and a half years ago and today we have about 42 employees. And our growth has always been very steady. We never had a phase where we had, you know, 70 people and then we laid off 30 and then went back. You know, we always grew when we were sure that we have enough capacity and enough work and we'll be able to derive enough value from increasing the size of the company. Uh, so, so basically, you know, the answer really depends on different companies. We were relatively conservative and always made sure that, you know, we have enough to support the existing uh, framework and only then expand further. Okay, so on the topic of fast versus slow, um, how do you resist the temptation of, okay, we know that we could do something way faster if we invest a specific amount of money into it, or if we get five new people or 10 new people, but how do you come back to the realization that maybe slow is better because 
this doesn't necessarily make sense in every head that it might be better to grow slowly? So there are two aspects here, which I think are, are interesting. The, the first aspect is you have to remember when you start a company, uh, you raise money and then you have this pool of money in your bank. And when the money runs out, either you're able to recruit more money or you close the company. So you're always aware of, you know, how much money you have in the bank and how much of a lifeline you still have before you have to ask for money again. So that's one perspective that sort of slows you down a bit because you know that the faster you grow, the more money you're going to burn and the more you're going to be dependent on being able to raise additional money in order to keep the company alive. The second part is that, you know, for us, and I'm sure that it's, you know, for the same for uh, most of the companies, when we started with the idea, basically we created something that, you know, address the specific uh, problem that, that we encountered. And then the, uh, the solution and the product evolved over time. And it also took us time to basically understand, you know, where we should grow this product. Because, you know, once you start having customers, you start talking to them, you start understanding what they're interested in, what they're less interested in. It gives you new ideas and it takes, you know, it evolves the company based on the market feedback. And if you run really fast, you don't have, uh, the time to get this feedback and adjust your plans accordingly. So these are two things that basically slow down our ambition to grow really fast. Okay. So you must imagine that most of our listeners are at the pre-idea stage or at the idea stage. They don't even have a product. They don't really, they might not even know what value they are creating. When you can go back to those very early stages, what is one tip that you would give people or one approach that you would have changed about the way that you did things yourself? So I think one of the advantages that, that I feel that we had was the fact that we were trying to solve a problem that was a problem that we faced as well. So it, we started the company by being the first uh, customers of the company. And that really gives you a sense that you're trying to solve a, you know, a, a worthy problem because it's something that affects you as well. And if, and, and so you have to be really sure of the problem that you're trying to solve. Either you're sure because it affects you as well, or, you know, you've been in the market for a while and you understand basically how it works and why this is a real problem. So that would be my tip to understand the problem and make sure that you're trying to solve a, a problem that's, you know, worth being solved. Okay, cool. To summarize everything we have just said, find out what kind of value you want to create slash what problem you're trying to solve, become an expert in this field, get to work every day, find out if what you're doing makes sense and don't get too caught up in the future. You're not trying to predict it. You're trying to create it. There we go with the plan. Thank you so much. This was the fourth episode of the Almost Founders podcast. Thank you, Gilad, for your insights and thank you to our sponsors, The Ventures. On Saturday, 24th of October, 2 p.m. UK time, we'll be holding a speed networking event where you can meet other individuals interested in entrepreneurship. 10 rounds, three minutes, you can sign up on Eventbrite at Almost Founders. If you cannot make it on Saturday but would still like to become a member of our community, you can sign up to our website at almostfounders.com. Thank you again for listening. I'll see you next week.